Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages like this one to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Keltz. In this message, you will be encouraged and challenged as you understand that it is a part of God's plan for all believers to be baptized. Romans chapter 6, and if you haven't, uh, don't have your Bible today, uh, I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet, and we're going to go ahead and put the scripture up on the screen for you. And the Word of God (laughs) declares this, well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? How many are thankful for his wonderful grace? Amen, right? We live life in a response to his wonderful grace. And I don't know about you, if you really understand his wonderful grace, it doesn't make you want to go out and sin more and more and more, right? And this is the point he's trying to get to them. But then he says this, of course not. Since we have died, everybody say died. Think about that. Think about that. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Think think about what he just said. We joined him through baptism. We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a second, Paul. I died? I, you're writing this and I died, Paul. I died? I, you're writing this and I died? I, I don't remember my funeral, but we're going to talk about that. For we died and were buried with Christ by, what's that word? Baptism. Everybody say baptism. One more time, baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your word. And Lord, I just want to tell you that I love you and I thank you for the ability that you've given me to preach and to teach. I thank you for giving me an opportunity this morning to have entrance into the hearts of your people. I believe that you sent me here with a specific assignment and I ask that you use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me this morning to unpackage and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. Father, we pray right now that each one of us would make a decision to open up the eyes and the ears of our hearts, and our prayer is for nothing less than transformation. We pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning so that we can go and prove your wonderful will and works. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response, and we ask this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, I want to remind you, if you haven't done it this morning, go ahead and check in on Facebook. Get your phone out. Check in on Facebook. Check in to Exchange Church, not The Exchange, but Exchange Church, and uh, let people know that you're here this morning. If you hear something in the Word or God speaks a message to you, go ahead and get on Facebook and send that message out or tweet it out, because how many know that out of our innermost being rivers of living water, and you never know what you posted on Facebook could really be the Word of God for somebody this morning who may not be here. Well, God has declared that in 2018, you see the banner over here, it's there every week, it's lit up, that we all are going into uncharted territories. We're going to places that that we've never been before, and and really, we want you to be focused on that. We want you to be intentional and be praying and be focused on, God, what is the uncharted territory for my life in 2018? And, and, And as a staff, that's what we pray for. We pray for you guys, God. Help them to be focused on where that is, what, whatever aspect that is, whether it be your marriage or your relationships or your finances, that God has taken you and leading you into uncharted territory. And today, I want to challenge you with the word that we focused on in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And I got you guys to say it. I'm going to get you to say it again. The word is baptism. Everybody say baptism. One more time, say baptism. 
And you may notice on my left, your right, we have a new portable baptistry that I am pumped up about. I'm telling you, uh, when I was in West Texas pastoring a church, I dreamed about that exact thing, and that exact thing is here, and how many know we're going to use it, right? And so today I want to talk to you about baptism. I want to talk to you about water baptism, and, and I want to explain to you guys why it's such an important step in the life of a Christian. Now, here's the thing. In Matthew chapter 3, we see a story of how the Lord Jesus Christ himself went to his cousin John, and Jesus himself was baptized. Did you guys realize that, that Jesus, our Lord, was baptized by his cousin, who they called John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, right? And so it's important that from the get-go, you just understand that it was modeled by Jesus Christ himself that he was baptized. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we'll put this up on the screen for you, he makes a declaration to the church as he sets up an eternal ordinance for us to follow in his footsteps. And he says this, therefore, go, go. This thing needs to get around the whole world. I want my kingdom be established on the whole world. I want you to go to all nations. I want you to make disciples. Did Jesus make disciples? Yes, so he, he modeled that, and then he says, do the same thing. Well, he also modeled baptism, and now here he says, I want you to make disciples in all nations, and when you do that, I want you to baptize them. So not only did he do it, he says, I'm commanding you guys to do the same thing. He, he, wants, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been baptized or been to a baptism service, what do they always do? They say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do they do that? It's because that's the way that, that Jesus said to do it, right? That's where we get that from. And then he goes on in verse 20, and he says, in teaching these disciples, these people, to obey everything that I have commanded you. Well, what did he just command? Part of the command was to be baptized. Now listen, if it's a big deal to Jesus, do you think it's a big deal? Like if Jesus did it and then he commanded Christians to do that, do you think that it's kind of important? A absolutely. Everybody say absolutely. Good answer. So we're going to talk about why though. Today, when we talk about water baptism, why is it important? Why? Because Jesus said to do it, but I want to I go and, pun intended, dive deeper into, I was watching this, this video this last week on YouTube, and uh, if you have ever been to an older, more traditional church, they built them, most of them, with a baptistry right here, and it was kind of on a platform, a platform, and then they had like a, a little... Uh, splash protector. It was like a plexiglass window, right? And so in your mind, you're picturing that, and this pastor, he's baptizing like this 13-year-old boy, and I baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he brings him up, you know, and that kid, you would have to walk up these steps, and then you would go to this next level, and the next kid's coming down, and you hear the kid go, cannonball, and he jumps in and literally does a cannonball, and the, the little splash protector does no good. The water goes over, and it's it, it's funny. It's a funny video. And, and so, you know, you, you, you see stuff like that, or maybe you've been to a baptism service, or maybe you hear a pastor say, well, Jesus did it. He commanded us to do it. And then all of a sudden, you start to think, but why? I, I'm one of those people. I think, but why? Well, we're going to talk about why it's so important to be water baptized. And so as we talk about that, I want to make two statements. In the, in the baptism in the New Testament has two meanings. The first is a literal meaning, and the second is a figurative meaning. So the literal meaning, baptizo, in the New Testament means to immerse completely or to put under. And so you'll see in our church, when we bring out next week, we're going to have a baptism service. We're going to bring out, and we are literally going to immerse people completely under the water. And that's the reason that we're going to do it. And, and there's a reason why we're going to talk more about that. But listen, the figurative meaning, though, means to be identified with. So think about that word identity. 
Where do you get your identity? Well, as Christians, we identify with Christ, and we're going to talk today about what Christ did through the crucifixion, through the death, burial, and resurrection. How many know that we identify with those three things? And it's a picture. Um, everybody say symbol. See, I've been in church my whole life. See, I've been in church my whole life. And when I would hear, like, my Sunday school teacher talk about it, I remember she would always say, it's symbolic. Baptism, well, it's, it's symbolic. It's such a beautiful symbol. It's symbolic. You, maybe you've heard that before. Most people, when they're talking about water baptism, they say that. And, and I say, yes, it is symbolic. There is a lot of symbolism to it. But, but I don't want you to just stop right there and think of it just as a as a symbol. It's kind of like the cross today. The cross has become uh, just a decoration that we put up on our walls. And, and a lot of times, if you think about it, it's just been decreased down to just a symbol that we put on a gold chain around our neck. But how many know as Christians, it's so much more than that, right? So l- l- let me say this. Let's say that if I was going to, I have four kids, so I was in the running for the, the father with the most kids, but I got beat out, by a guy with six. I will be praying for you. But let's say I set down my kids and I wanted to teach them about love. How many know that love in the modern day today has a symbol, right? And so if I wanted to, I could draw on a piece of paper a heart. <laughs> my son's laughing at my heart that I just drew. And I could say, Kagan, This is the international, worldwide, this is known as love. And how many know that that is a a symbol? And I could say, Kagan, you know, if you were really, you know, feeling really good about one young lady in your school, and you wanted to show her that you loved her, at the end of the year, on the last day of school, you could take her yearbook. I didn't say annual. That's an old person. I always say annual, but you could take her yearbook. Kids probably don't even do this anymore, but you could take her yearbook and you could write, I heart you, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, signed, Kegalicious, your main man. (laughs) Right? Hey, I'm just giving you some advice. And I could tell, how many know that the heart, that's a symbol of love, right? But I could, I could also sit him down and, and tell him something different if I wanted to tell him about love. And I could tell him, son, here, here's the thing. I want to tell you about love. I want, to, I want to show you what love is. And I could tell him about how 20, almost, and we just celebrated 19 years, a little over 19 years ago, Oh, thank you. I was madly in love with your mom. And so what I did is I scrapped and I saved every little penny and every little dime, all the money that I could muster up, and I bought her a ring. And I took that ring, and I thought, you know what? I'm romantic. I'm going to do something cool. I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to surprise her. And I made a picnic by the lake under the shade tree. Man, I had the picnic basket. It was all planned out. I got her favorite food. I was being romantic. And that day, I got down on my knee, and I begged and pleaded with the most beautiful woman I've ever met, the smartest, most wonderful lady that I've ever known, if she would let me love her for the rest of my life. How many know a ring is a symbol? But in the the first illustration that I gave you, you really don't have to have love, right? It's just a symbol. Kagan, 12 years old, I love you, (laughs) exclamation point. But when you give somebody a ring, it's not just a symbol. How many know it's a demonstration? And there's something different. And I, I, I'm here this morning to tell you that 
Water baptism, yes, yes, it is symbolic, okay? But it's way much more than that. Baptism is a public demonstration and a declaration of the love, the real true love that you have in your heart for your God. And I I was thinking about how to entitle this today, and and you're going to think this is kind of weird at the very front, but stick with me. I thought about entitling this Buried Alive. You're like, wow, you just went from romance to way off the cliff, Pastor. Well, stick with me because we're going to look at the where we started in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Let's read it one more time. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, he says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, you have to get the mentality in your mind right now that you died to sin. And now it says, or have you forgotten that when we joined with Christ Jesus in what? In baptism. What does it say? We joined with Christ Jesus in baptism. It says that we joined with him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ Jesus by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new life. So why, I got three quick points this morning to show you how, why water baptism is so important. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. We'll put it up on the screen for you. The first point is this. In baptism, we die with him. As, as believers here, and I, I think we have a lot of believers here this morning, one of the prime things that we believe is that Jesus Christ died for us, right? He, he died for us. And, 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 and so what, it, what really happened was God created man, and he put man on this earth with a plan. And his plan was, I'm giving you all authority over this earth so that you can establish my kingdom as it is in heaven on this earth. Do you believe that? That was God's original intent. But guess what? Adam made a mistake and he sinned. And when he sinned, he lost the authority that God had given man. The Bible says, because of one man's sin, we have all sinned. He blew it for everybody. And so listen, let me tell you this morning, that broke God's heart, right? God wasn't mad. He wasn't mad, anger. He didn't have wrath to come after Adam and to say, you know what, I'm gonna teach you a lesson because, because Adam hid from God, but God was looking for Adam. Does that look like somebody that's mad? No, no, no. God has never been mad at us. In fact, the Bible tells us that because everything was messed up, he established a new way, a new covenant, because God so loved the world that he now through the son came and he died for us. We believe that, right? Let me say this, but do you believe this? Do you believe that he died not just for you, but as you? Because that's a little different. As you on the cross. You see, we died with him. In Romans chapter 6, verse 5, we're going to continue in that, in that passage. It says, for if we have been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So how many know that not only did Jesus die and he was buried, but he rose to life knowing that this, that our old man was crucified with them. That's a good place to say amen. So think about that. Your old man, do you believe that Jesus was crucified on the cross and died? Yes. In that moment, as that happened, a long time ago, your old man was being crucified at the same time. That's kind of something that's crazy to think about, but I need you to wrap your mind around it, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should, so there's a purpose to this. Where before we were slaves to sin, when sin came through Adam, how many know the first Adam brought in sin? How many know the last Adam came in and he did away with that sin, right? He paid completely the high price for that sin. And it says this, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. What are we talking about? We're talking about how we died with him. Everybody knows this verse. I've been, I died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but are you still here today? Am I looking at people that are living? Yes, you died, but are you still alive? Yes, you're still alive. So that right here, it says that Christ now lives through you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says this, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of our sinful nature. So there it is again, the old man being crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ, sinful nature on his cross, and crucified them there. Now listen to this. Paul, all throughout his writings, he makes this statement. He says that you're slaves to sin. You are slaves to sin. You're slaves to sin. And then in Romans chapter 6, and then the chapter that we've been in, in verse 19, he begins to explain why he uses this ex- uh, illustration. I want you to, to really look up on the Sky Bible and read this with me. Verse 9 says this, Because of the weakness of your human nature, Let me know that we all have a human nature, and at times we all struggle with temptation, right? So so be thinking about that type of thought. I am using the illustration of slavery, so it's an illustration, to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slave to impurity and lawlessness, which led deeper to sin. So they were giving themselves into temptation, and it led to something very destructive. Now, you must give yourselves to be slaves, though. He said, he's like, and, and uh, it's going to be hard to explain, but I really want you to focus in this morning. He says, I don't want you to stop being a slave. I just want you to exchange who, who you're a slave to. And, and because of, in America, real slavery, ha- slavery happened, and it was awful, and it was the most horrendous, horrible, horrible thing, Right? It's hard for us to get a picture that slavery could be good. So, but, but, but stick with me. So he says, uh, be slaves to righteous living so you can become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And we know, all, all know what that was like. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do. We can all know what that's like. The things that led to eternal doom. Verse 22, everybody say, but now. Say it loud, but now, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now, that's good news, okay? We're talking about how we died with Christ. Way back in the days of slavery, freedom was rare. And the only way that slaves felt like they could ever get out of slavery, this horrible, it wasn't even a life. They were treated like animals, okay? The only freedom that they thought they could get into was through death. Isn't that, isn't that horrible? Like, you, you would hope every day that you would die, just so you wouldn't have to be a slave anymore. And right here, that's physically, that's a, that's a horrible thought. Physically, it's a horrible thought to think somebody would be in such a bondage that every day they would just dream about dying. But spiritually, stick with me. It's a romantic thought that God would think so much of you and me that he would say, Kevin, I'm not going to ask you to beat these things that you're going through. I'm going to ask you to die to these things. Because, Kevin, you have the tendency to get up, and I've seen it. Every time that sin walks by, there's a part of you that wants to get up. So what I need you to do is to die to this. Now, let me explain something. New believers when we come into a a relationship with Jesus Christ, innocently, we start to believe that we're never going to sin again and that we're never going to have sinful desires. Did you ever remember being that guy? You know, you, you, man, you were so excited and you, you received Jesus and you're just like, man, this is awesome. And God, I love you and you love me and you did all this and your grace is amazing. Your grace amazes me and I'm probably never going to sin again. I feel so good. And how long did that last? Right? About an hour. And then you messed up, and then you were like, oh, man, you know, I thought I had this thing. Whoop, God, I I didn't mean to do that. You see, the enemy wants to convince us that our salvation comes down to whether or not if we sin, 
right? He wants us to focus on that. But the truth is that it has nothing to do with our salvation. Because listen to this, what I'm about to say. The scripture just told us that we are dead. We died with Christ and we are now dead to sin because of what Jesus did. And according to the word of God that I just read to you, we died with him. We are now dead to sin. What would it change when we're struggling with temptation if we understood the fact that we're dead to sin? Now listen, I didn't say that we're sinless. I just said that we're dead to sin. As long as we're in this body, we are going to have a compulsion to sin. I'm not saying that we're going to be sinless, but what I'm saying is, listen to me, sin no longer has the power to reign in your life. We sung the song earlier. What did it say? You reign. Who is you? Jesus. You reign. And because Jesus reigns, how many know we died with him? But we didn't stay dead. We rose with him. He imparted into us his divine nature. And now because of that, sin does not have the power to reign over your life. And listen, I want to tell you this morning, it's so important because over the last 12 years of being a pastor and counseling people who, I've heard people talk about sin and they say, well, pastor, you know, and they're just beat down and busted and disgusted and they're just like, you know, I guess as long as, as there's sin in this world, I guess I'm just always going to struggle with it. And they're just defeated. They have such a defeated attitude, like somebody told them that sin has power to rule and to reign in their life. But listen, I can tell you something today, that's not something that we need to believe. That's not something that we need to speak over last because of what Jesus did. Come on, somebody, through his death, burial, and resurrection, sin no longer has power to rule over you. I'm not saying that you won't sin. I'm just trying to get in your head that you're dead to it. And this is a picture. Okay? Christians are people who have died. And their baptism, think about it. This next week, we're going to bring this thing over. Their baptism emphasizes that death. That's the first point today. And that's why baptism is so important. In baptism... You are, we're going to have water in this thing. And you will be immersed into the water. That water represents the fact it's a watery grave. It's reminding you and everybody else that you died with Christ. I'm talking about a symbolic watery grave that lets everybody know, everybody that's here, everybody that's watching on the, on the, uh, the TV at home, on their computer screen, that you belong to Christ and that you have nailed those passions and those desires of your sinful nature to his cross. They were crucified there. As you go into the water, you are declaring to the enemy of this world that you have died to sin and that sin no longer has the power power to reign in your life. How many think that's important? Okay, so that's a, it's, is that a symbol? Is there going to be symbolism in water baptism? Absolutely. But come on, somebody, it's so much more than that. It's a demonstration. The second point is this. Number two, we are buried with him. We died with him, but we are buried with him. You think, ah, eh, the same thing. It's not. We're going to talk about why it's not. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. For we died and, everybody say and. So it's not the same thing. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Why did it say died and buried? Think about that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, so when you believed in him, it says that you were circumcised. What? I missed that service. I missed that class, Pastor. When did what is going on here? Oh, but not a physical procedure. Whew, thank you. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. Listen to this cutting away your sinful nature. So many of you believe that your sinful nature is in full effect, and because you believe that, you act that way. But if I could get you to believe that Christ at salvation performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature, and then verse 12, for you were, you not only died, but you were 
buried with Christ when you were what? Wow. Now, this is deep, okay? For Christians, spiritual uh, baptism is burial. Baptism puts our human bodies in an environment that cannot sustain life. Like, if Pastor Jared held you under the water and just kept on holding, baby, would you be able to sustain life? No. So there's symbolism there, okay? That's the reason that we don't sprinkle, Okay, that's the reason, because we believe it says immerse, and that we do that, we put you in that place, but it's to represent we are buried with him in baptism. I want to read this to you, and I really want you to think about this. Charles Spurgeon once said this, while a man is indoors, the passers-by do not know that he's dead. So um, when I was a kid, I remember there was a lady that died, and she was a widow, and so she lived by herself, and she wasn't out very much, and she died. And we passed by her house. We had no idea that she was dead. And there was three days, and then my dad found her. Okay, so, so think about that. Every, every day people were passing by. They had no idea that they were dead. But when the funeral takes place, and this is what they did back in Spurgeon's day, they would carry them throughout the streets, probably in a, a horse and carriage you know, type of thing. And everybody then knows that he is dead. So I went to that lady's funeral, And although I didn't know that she was dead before, when I went to the funeral, I was like, oh, wow, wow, she died. I know that she, and he says this, that's what baptism ought to be. The believer's death to sin is at first a secret. And that's usually how it happens. Uh, You know, somebody leads you and it's a one-on-one thing, or maybe you come to a church service and there's just a couple people there when you put your faith, or maybe you put your faith in Christ and nobody really knew about it. You just prayed the prayer, but you didn't tell anybody. And he says this, uh, at first it's a secret, but by an open confession, speaking of baptism, once he bids all men to know that he is dead with Christ, and that's what we're doing in baptism, baptism is the funeral rite by which death to sin is openly set forth and put on display for all to see. Isn't that cool to think about? So, so let me tell you a quick story. I'm going to pick on uh, Caitlin and Kinsey, my two oldest daughters. I've been a pastor now for a pretty long time, and when they were little girls, I can remember Lisa and I would take them to the swimming pool, okay? And because they lived in church and I was a pastor, they would imitate me, and they made up a game. They would do all types of games, you know, throw something, you go get it, and swim in the water, but they would always end up playing this one game, and they would say, okay, I'm the pastor, and I'm going to baptize you. And I would see, you know, and then Kinsey would be like, okay, KK, I'm going to baptize you, right? And, and it all started out fun and games, you know, and Caitlin would, you know, because I always tell them to, you know, hold your nose. And then Kinsey would go, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I now baptize you. And she would, you know, baptize Caitlin. And, uh, and, and she would leave her under there just a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> this this would get aggressive very quickly. There's a couple, and then also she'd bring her back up, you know, and uh, and so Caitlin's mad, but me and Lisa are laughing. Ah, oh, that's funny. The problem about this game, Kenzie wasn't thinking because now in this game there's only two people playing, and now you switch, and so Caitlin gets Kenzie right. And she would now say, it's your turn. And Kenzie has, you know, fright in her eyes, like, oh, I didn't think this thing through. And Caitlin's like, hold your nose, hold your nose. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And she would put her down there, and Caitlin was older, and so she was bigger, and so she was stronger. And I'm telling you, Kenzie would really, and she would really emphasize that you, Kenzie, are buried with Christ. I'm talking about buried down deep, buried down deep. And we would have to go, Caitlin, pick her up, get her up out of the water. And she'd pick her up, and Caitlin's laughing, and and kids, I don't want to play anymore. I hate this baptism game. (laughs) Now, (laughs) to be honest with you, I've been doing this for so long. I've baptized so many people. I'm tempted to do the same thing, man. I just hold some people. Like that kid that did the cannonball, he's going under just a little bit longer than everybody else, right? (laughs) 
But what you're emphasizing there, you know, and I'm, I'm being lied about this thing, but what you're emphasizing there is the burial, that we were buried. We not only died, but we were, everybody say buried. And let me, let me say this. I believe that this is being lost in the Christian culture today. And, and we, we just celebrated Easter not too long ago, and I, I guarantee you, you'll hear Christians say this. I'm so excited for Easter Day. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, or we're celebrating the death and the resurrection of Christ. But how many know we're not just celebrating those two things? That's what we say, and that's what's on the, all the, you know, posters that we put up, you know, the resurrection, the resurrection, or, or the, the, the death and the resurrection. But how many know there was a burial? And there's something important about the burial. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. Lisa and I have a friend who has been a nurse for over 20 years now. And, and the thing that's crazy is working in the ER, she has brought several people back to life. They died, they coded, and then she did what she needed to do to bring that person who was dead back to life. Um, doctors do this all the time on the, when they're doing surgeries. Somebody codes, and they do all the stuff, you know, the shock thing and the CPR, all that stuff. And they bring somebody who is dead back to life. It happens. But I've never seen this. I've never seen a nurse or a doctor walking through a cemetery digging people up. Right? Why? Because there's something different about just being dead and being buried. And when I was praying about this sermon today, I just really felt like God quickened this in my heart, that there's a lot of Christians acting like they're dead. Just acting. But how many know we just didn't die with Christ, that we were buried? See, many believers let their bodies go under the water, but fewer believers let their flesh go into the ground and be buried. And burial is extremely significant. Let me say this, and this is something that's very beautiful. Sin lies, and we'll put this up on the, the screen for you. Sin lies on the other side of the grave for those who have in Christ died to sin. Let me, I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm going to explain it. Sin lies on the other side of the grave for those who have, in Christ, died to sin. What that means is this. You have to, please understand, and means is this. You have to, please understand, in, in, the, in the baptism, we'll take you down, we'll dip you into the water, and there will be a second there, you're, you're going to be stuck for a second. And it's not going to be very long. But it's to emphasize that you were buried. And I can tell you today that, let's just say this next week, let's say on Monday, tomorrow I'm having a pretty good day. And, and I'm going through my day, and all of a sudden it starts to turn to worse. And, and then all of a sudden I get this tap on my shoulder, and it's, it's temptation wanting to tempt me into sin, into something that I shouldn't be doing. Let, let me say this. If I'm truly buried, and I know that I'm buried with Christ, when I turn around on the other side, the first thing that I'm going to see is not temptation. The first thing that I'm going to see is my grave. Because I've been buried. I'm going to see my gravestone. I'm not going to focus on the temptation. I'm going to see, man, I don't even have any place with that thing that I'm trying to be tempted with because I'm dead to that. And not only am I dead to that, I have been buried. Here lies Kevin who gave his life to Jesus. And in doing so, he died with him. Not only did he die with him, he was buried with him. And then he was raised to new life in him. Guys, isn't that amazing? That's what burial means for Christians. And so many of us, we get trapped in temptation. And the thing is, if you would start to think about this, that you first have to trip over your own grave, can you imagine how much easier it would be if you were reminded that it's it's not a yes or no thing with temptation because the enemy's going to come to you and you say, you know what, you're going to struggle, your dad struggled with this, your mom struggled with this, you're going to struggle with for the rest of your life. I've gotten you tempted over this over and over and what the enemy's trying to do is to get your focus on the temptation. I say today, stop focusing on the temptation and focus on the grave. Come on, that you're buried, that you die with Christ, that you're buried with him, that you how if you even try to get to the temptation, that you trip over your tombstone and you say to the devil, sorry, man, you got it all wrong. That was the old me, but that old guy died. 
That old guy is dead. You see, I died to those things. Satan, look at this. This is my grave. This proved that I died to all that garbage you're trying to trip me up with. And not only that, I've been raised to new life in Christ Jesus so you can go suck on a lemon, you defeated liar. Wow, pastor, that's good preaching. I'm talking about baptism. Have you ever thought about how powerful this is? And the third and final point is this. Number three, we are raised to new life. So we didn't just die with him, and we're not just buried with him, because that would be pretty lousy if it just stopped right there. Right? Caitlin. It doesn't stop right there, right? Come on, on the third day. Raised to new life. Acts 2.24 says this. But God released him. Speaking of Jesus. God released Jesus from the horrors of death. And he raised him back to life. For dead could not. Could not. Could not keep him in its grip. See, death could not keep our Lord and Savior in its grip. You see, for a brief time, death as the executor of sin, held Jesus just like you're held for a second, but not for long. It doesn't stay that way. Here's why. Because Jesus was not guilty of any personal sin, so death had no right to hold him personally. My Lord and Savior chose to take my place, right? And I'm so thankful for that. Listen, I'm sure the devil thought that the cross was brilliant, putting Jesus on that cross. I'm so smart. Look at this. And the day of crucifixion, the devil's dancing around. Oh, yeah, we did it. We killed him. The de- demons are high-fiving. That's right. Uh, uh, uh-oh, yeah, Kagan, I got the moves, right? I think I pulled a hammy. But in the middle of their dancing and singing, this is what God said. I know you thought you had him, but what you thought would go your way, now I'm turning around for my way. See, the cross was sin's strongest and smartest move, but come on, somebody, the resurrection was God's checkmate. Woo, man, that's good news. As the enemy danced to celebrate Christ's death on the cross, God chuckled and said, checkmate, baby, it is finished. New covenant. And because Jesus was raised from the dead and death could not hold him, so we too now don't just stay dead. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. We are a new creation. We are raised. How many know Pastor Jared ain't going to leave you in the water? This is symbolism, but how many know it's so much more? He raises you. It's a picture of you being raised to new life in Christ Jesus. And this is what baptism is all about. That is why you don't stay in the water. That's why you're raised up out of that watery grave. And how many know when we do this next Sunday, at that moment, we're going to go crazy, right? We're going to be like, yeah, that's it. Because I mean, right now, let's go crazy. Yeah, woohoo, everybody. Yeah, that's it. Because I mean, right now, let's go crazy. Yeah, woohoo, everybody. Nobody's going to do it with me. Okay. There you go. We're going to go crazy. We're going to celebrate just as if the Astros just won the World Series. If you can celebrate for that, you can celebrate for this. I'm telling you, I was one of the first ones. Yahoo! Altuve! MVP! But whoever gets it baptized, I'm going to be going, MVP! Why? Because I know that the old is gone and the new has come, and it is symbolic, but it's so much more. What does this new life, Pastor, that you're talking about look like? Well, let me just read you a, just a couple couple scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says this, Since we have been united with him in his death, we also have been raised to life as he was. First Peter chapter 2 says this, He personally carried our sins in his body so that on, uh, on that cross, so that, everybody say so that. There's a reason... And the reason is this, so that we could be dead to sin, and now we can live our new life for what is right. Colossians 2.12 says this, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the bed now in, and from the bed, from the dead, now is in you? 
It was raised now in you, and you have that same power. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Come on, somebody, who died and was raised for them. Verse 17 says this, This means that anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. Right? That temptation, you turn around, I'm dead to that. But you didn't just stay there. We raised you up. The new has begun. Galatians 3, 2, 26 says this, For you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in what? Baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And the last one, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator. Become like Him. Listen to this. In God's plan, in His redemptive plan, burial always follows death. And resurrection always follows burial. And that's good news. Christians are not reformed. We're not rehabilitated. We're not re-educated. How many know we are recreated, new creatures in Christ Jesus? And listen, I know some of you may be thinking, but Pastor Kevin, I'm not very good at living this new life. I've been struggling. Please understand something today. The ability to live the new life is not on your power to perform it. The ability to live this new life is only in the power of God who gives that new life. Isn't baptism a beautiful symbol? And I'm glad that it's just that. It's just a beautiful symbol. It's just like a heart. No. It's so much more. It's a demonstration. I think about how extravagant that not only God would send his son to die for us, to be buried for us, and to raise him up. How extravagant that God gave us the chance in baptism to do that with him and listen i believe that the baptism is one of the most romantic things you can do in the christian life i told you the story about how i saved up i bought a ring for my wife i got on my knee i begged her to let me give me the opportunity to love her for the rest of my life and she said yes when closing, I want to tell you about one of my friends who proposed to his wife. And before he did it, he, uh, he prayed. He said, God, I, just, I really want a scripture. I want, I want your words to be able, because I'm so nervous. Please help me with this. And God took him to the book of Ruth. And so the day came that he, he, he got down on his knee before her. And this is what he said. He said, honey, I have, he's on one knee. He says, I have no idea what the next 10 years are going to hold. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know how much money I'm going to make. I have no idea what we'll be doing. But I know this. I want to spend the rest of my life loving you. And then he got out his Bible and he quoted this. And I'll put it up on the, the screen for you. Ruth chapter 1. And he said to her, And entreat me not to leave you. Wherever you go, baby, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will be there I will be buried. If anything but death parts you and me, let something far more than death be my punishment. And he looked at her in the eyes, and he said, will you be my wife? And she said, yes. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's romantic. And the reason I tell you that story, because in baptism, this is the last thing that I want to say. This is what we say to Christ. In baptism, we say, don't ever ask me to leave you, Jesus. Wherever you go, I will go. Jesus, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I will be buried. If anything less than death separates you from me, let something far more than death be my punishment. Jesus, I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. I don't know how much money I will make. I have no idea where I will be, but I do know this. Jesus, I will spend the rest of my life loving you.
that's baptism. Isn't that a beautiful picture? But it's not just a beautiful picture. It's so much more. So my question here this morning is, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? If you haven't, you need to get baptized next week. All right? And, and, and the first step to baptism is what? It's salvation. You put your faith in Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as many, immediately in the, the New Testament, when people would put their faith in Lord Jesus Christ, man, they'd find a water hole and they'd just start dunking people. And they would celebrate that we are, we have died with him, we are buried with him, and that in him we have a, a new life. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet for a second. I just want uh, everybody to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to give anybody the opportunity this morning, if you haven't stepped into that new life, if you haven't stepped into that divine nature this morning, I want to give you that divine nature this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And so right now, I just make a decision. I just want you to pray a, a simple prayer after me. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Come on, say it loud. Say, I thank you for your love. And today and for the rest of my life, I am yours. I thank you that you've forgiven me for my sins my past sins, my present sins, and even the sins I haven't committed yet. I ask you to come live your life in me. Live your life through me. I thank you for the new life, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I just want to ask right now, and it it might be a little awkward. I'm just going to make it a little awkward this morning. Raise your hand if you have been baptized, if you have been baptized, awesome, awesome. I want you guys to think about what we talked about today. And next week when we're baptizing people, I want you to think about the symbolism, but I want you to think that it's so much more than that. It's a demonstration. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you have not been baptized, I know we, we talked to our children's pastors this morning. They said there's some of the kids that they've been talking to them. They want to get baptized next week. We want everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody who has not been baptized, you need to get baptized next week. Here, This is going to be the first time we've ever had a baptism service in our sanctuary. We've had, we've had them before at other places, but we got our new baptistry. We're excited about this. If you are going to get baptized,